Thank you guys, that's awesome. That's really fun. I, uh, I'll give you bonus material that I wasn't going to give you, but now I'm going to. But there's one of the things, we're, we're talking about submission uh, today, which is everybody's favorite topic. But one of the things that we that I was going to share about and ended up cutting for the sake of time was to talk about just being s submitted to the, ch to the church and the leadership. There's a, a verse in Hebrews that says this, Hebrews 13, 17, says, Have confidence in your church leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you uh, as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. Um, for that would be of benefit to you kind of thing. And I just like, you know what? You guys make it a joy to serve. And so thank you for your partnership. We love you guys too. And and uh, really do love uh, that we get to do this together. So thanks. So with that, I, I better pray and transition or something. <laughs> so let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for the church and just how beautiful it can be when it's working well and working together. I thank you for uh, those that are apart and just for the good plans that you have in store for us. We thank you for your work in the past, your faithfulness in the present, and the good plans you have for the future. Lord, we just, we just open up our, our hands and our hearts, and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come and have your way. Come and work by your spirit. Come and advance your kingdom and raise up your church, a church here in Peoria, uh, in churches here in Peoria, against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. And uh, we just look forward to all that you have in store. And, and we thank you for the fact that we get to do it together with you and with one another as well. Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, now I am really glad to have you guys here <laughs> to be together. Uh, I, as I started out saying, we we are doing a little mini-series here tonight on unity called United, right? And, and talking about how significant that is. And we said, especially in this era, right? I mean, we are so divided. Things that even historically have been used and have been, uh, like in the past, have been stuff that has brought us together. Things like a national crisis, right, kind of thing. In, in this era has actually torn us further and further apart. We found ourselves divided about all kinds of things that we didn't even know could divide us a year ago, right? Things like to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. That is the question. Things like, uh, you know, should we open schools or should we not open schools? Should we have uh, athletic events or should we not? Should we uh, get a vaccination when it comes out or should we not? And we kind of, each one of these things is sort of a division in our culture, not to mention Politically, right? Is, are there some political divides in our nation right now? Holy smokes, something we just slice and dices us and polarizes us further and further apart. There's, there's, uh, you know, politically, racially, there's been divi huge divisions this year. Even athletically, there's divisions. There's some that are here, for instance, that still believe the Bears are the best team in the NFC North. I mean, I, I don't get it, right? <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> but I digress. But what's worse is that these divisions happen even inside the church. And what we talked about last week is this should not be. Right? If there's one place that should be living in unity, united with, with one God, in one mission, in one heart, in one faith, and what, like all this kind of stuff, it should be the church. It should be us. Again, division comes even here. I read this week. There are over 45 thousand Christian denominations worldwide. Now think about that, the fact that it came from one, right? And what have we done? We've divided, and we've divided, and we've divided, and we've divided, to the point where some of them even believe exactly the same thing, and yet we're still divided. We're still divided. It reminds me, Steve was telling me a joke last week, and he said, 
Reminds me of this, this guy gets stranded on an island or whatever. He's there for years. And they come and rescue him. And there's three different buildings uh, on this island. And they, the, his rescuers say, well, tell me about this. What is it? He says, well, this is my home. And they're like, oh, cool. What's that building? He said, well, that building's my church. He's like, oh, great. Well, what's that building? He said, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> it's like we, we divide and we divide and we divide all over the place. And meanwhile, the watching world, those outside the church are watching. And I, and I keep thinking to myself, what do they think about us? They, they probably think, you, you guys can't even get along. Why should we listen to you? You can't even get along with yourselves. And I, I, I don't know, as so I was thinking about it this week, I'm like, you know what? We may not be responsible for church splits. I hope not. We might not be responsible for that kind of division and denominations or other things. But we do the same thing. So we have all kinds of ways that we slice and dice up other believers and we put them into categories and we exclude and include and we do all this kind of things. And I mean, I've heard over the over the years, I've heard all kinds of reasons, right, to divide people, to look down your noses or to size people up differently. So like some Christians, they say, oh, where do you send your kids to school? Do you send them to public school? And for some, they'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. Or do you send them to Christian school? Oh, mm-hmm. Or do you send them to do you homeschool? I mean, there's, we size people up even differently like that kind of thing. Or, or uh, the way people vote. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Well, then we kind of slice and dice and divide people up from there. We do this, I mean, we do it even in terms of just different categories. Are you old or are you young, right? Are you charismatic or are you not charismatic? Are you a Scotty or whatever? Or do you have kids? Or do you, are, do you have, are you married or are you single? And that kind of divides people up of who we'll do things with or won't. Do you spend time with sinners, quote unquote? Or do you, do you hang out with churchy people, right? Kind of thing. But all different kinds of ways that we slice and dice and separate and divide. Meanwhile, like what we talked about last week in John 17, Jesus is praying for his church just before he goes to the cross. He is crying out to the Father, and he's praying for us. He's praying for those that would those that would believe in Jesus after he was gone. And he prays this, John 17, 20 through 23. I'm going to jump ahead. Next slide. A couple more. That must be last week's. Do you have this week's? <laughs> No? Okay. Well, John 17, uh, starting with verse 20, uh, says this. It says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that they will have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am them. And you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Listen to this. It says, then the world will know that you sent me, that you sent Jesus, and have loved them even as you have loved me. What what does Jesus pray for? Again, he's on his way to the cross, right? This is towards the end of his life on on earth, the end of his ministry. And he's praying one thing for those that will believe in the message, that will be his followers in the future. What does he pray for? What does he pray for? Unity, right? He prays that they may be one, right? That they may be one. He prays for unity. That we would be one. That we would be one in him. The desire and the command and the prayer of Jesus for his church is one of unity. That we would be one. And he says, just like Father, Jesus Christ, just like we are one, right? May they be one in us as well. Submitted to him, having one mission, one purpose, one God, one faith, having everything that matters in common. 
Friends, we live in a very divided and individualistic world, but that is not to be the case for the church, for Christ followers, because we are called to unity. And so that's, that's what we're talking about today. And today I want to talk about something else. And we hit on it lightly last week, but today I want to talk about submission. Because one of the things that's interesting to me is, as I've been studying for the last couple of months uh, on this whole topic of unity, especially with everything that's going on, I keep reading, and there's passage after passage after passage after passage that talks about unity in the body of Christ. And in every single one of them that I could find, if you keep reading, it will eventually go to, here's how, here's how you experience unity. It's by submitting yourself to God. It's by submitting, by, by living in underneath His authority for your lives. That's where unity comes from. Kind of the phrase I kept thinking about this because I was studying is, without humility and submission, we continually bring division. And it's true. Without humility and submission, we continually live in division. We divide and we segment off and we do not live in unity. It's crazy, but it's true. It's in this Colossians uh, chapter 3. Check that next slide if you can. Yeah, Colossians chapter 3, uh, starting verse 12 says this. is therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against somebody. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect, what's that word? Unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. So it's, it's again, it's talking about this, this amazing picture of unity in community, and unity in the body of Christ. And in the very next words they go on to talk about is the, the word that comes out of his mouth is here's what that looks like. Here's how you play this out and live this out in relationship to one another. Submit, right? Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to the structure and the order that God has for you. You know, there's so much disunity, so much separation, so, so many of our splits and divisions come as re even the anger and bitterness and negativity that we experience and we feel towards other people's comes as a direct result of our unwillingness to submit to God's authority in our lives. Now, I get that this is countercultural. This, this is not something that if, if I did a survey of our congregation and said, man, what do you want to hear a message on? I bet nobody would say, would say submission, right? Sub, submission. That is not something that's popular. It's not something we want to talk about. It's linked to obedience. It's linked to, to humbling ourselves. It's linked to all these kinds of things. We don't like to talk about it. And I get that, right? It's countercultural. In fact, why don't, you, why don't you just chime in here with me for a second. If you hear the term submit or submission, what comes to mind for you? Losing, tapping out. What is that? Quitting. Quitting, yeah. Weakness, right? I mean, who here, who here thinks, I want to be weak? Who here thinks, I want to quit? Who here thinks... But those are the images that come in our head. When we think about submission, we think it's negative. We think Sometimes we think of being a doormat for, for other people, right? That they wipe their feet on us and treat us like crap and that kind of thing. Just kind of go along, right? There's all these negative images that come through our heads. But I have to say, and especially as Americans, this is true, right? I mean, I think even more so as Americans, when we are people that our entire history is kind of built on this whole idea of, Throwing off the oppressor of kind of lifting ourselves up and being our own bosses. We don't want anything to stand in the way of our freedom. 
freedom and you know what that means to us. We, we think nothing should stand in the way of, of us being able to believe whatever we wanted and do whatever we want. In our culture, we almost celebrate um, not just questioning those in authority over us, but we, we celebrate almost like pushing that, like pushing our way on them and, and pushing our will to get done. It, it, it's encouraged to question, to push our agenda, to peacefully protest, and sometimes even more than peacefully protest if we are being heard or if we are getting our, our way, if our freedoms are being impinged on or anything like that. And there's good things that come from that culture, but the downside of it is that I think so often what it's, what it's, it's warped our understanding of authority. It's warped our understanding of what real submission, biblical submission, looks like. And as a result, it keeps us from living in right relationship both with God and with one another. When we refuse to submit to authority in our lives, it wreaks havoc in our relationships. Without humility and submission, we continually live in division. Think with me all the way back to the book of Genesis. If you go all the way back to the beginning, you can see this. We, we've all had authority problems. We've all had submission problems. It's the story of humanity. If you go all the way back to Genesis, right, you see God creating Adam and Eve. He puts them in the garden. And again, it's a picture of paradise, of heaven on earth, right? God hangs out with them in the garden. God provides for their needs, right? They, they get to live in right relationship with uh, God and with one another. It is perfect. And the thing is, God, God paints a picture where we could live there, we could have lived with there with him forever. No death, no sin, no destruction. But God said, you know what, to, to Adam and Eve, he said to, to kind of the proto-man proto and woman, he says, you know what, there's, there's one thing that I need to warn you, a fair, fair warning. He said, there's, you're free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but there's one tree that you can, this, this tree right here, you can't eat of it. If you eat of it, you will surely die. It's the only, that's the only thing he says. I'm telling it for your good because if you eat from the fruit of it, you will die. It'll bring destruction on a, on a level that you can't even possibly imagine. And, and I want you to think about this. If, if Adam and Eve would have said, you know what, we choose to live under the authority of God. We're going to follow his direction. What would have the result been? Paradise. The result would have been what? Keep going. Never die. What else? No corona. Yes. Give an amen from back there. Absolutely. Yay. What else? Perfect unity with God forever. Right? I mean, I mean you can, you, we can keep going, right? This is amazing. Amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I, I digress. But, like, I, I, I'm thinking, like, yeah, having childbirth not be as painful, right? Like, there's all kinds of things that would have, would have happened as a result. It would have been amazing. It would have been good. It would have been sweet. And yet, what, what ends up happening is, is Adam and Eve say, you know what? They kind of come out to the side and they say, in fact, they come up to unlevel with God and say, you know what? We think we know better than God. We think, we think our way is better. We know more. We won't really die. Now, there's temptations or been all that. That's a part of this. But we know, we know better. And so they take the fruit and they eat it. And what happens? They spiritually die. What else? A sin. A sin. Yes, sin comes into the world. It, in fact, it impacts 
all of creation. It impacts relationships. You get, you get them like kind of going after each other. I mean, and this is where, where the classic blame game starts, right? Adam's like, I don't know. Like, woman gave me fruit, I ate, it's her fault. Right? I mean, like that. You know, so there's, there's, there's division that happens between the man and the woman. There's division that happens between the people and God. They get kicked out of the garden. They get kicked out of sort of the presence of God in that day, right? And I mean, it's horrible. That's what happens. When we come out from underneath biblical authority, when we refuse to submit, and we come out and overhear what ends up happening, destruction, pain, death, division, disunity, right? I mean, get broken up. Our relationship with God gets broken up. Our relationship with others gets broken up in painful and horrible ways. And we see this in our world and in our day all the time. In fact, we live in a, a world that's stained by sin. And so we see this kind of stuff all the time. But like, let's say, I'll, I'll give you some examples. A man and a woman stand before God and a, a pastor and, and their friends and family and they make some vows to one another. They say, I promise before God and others, I promise that I will love you and serve you and be faithful to you till death do us part. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In fact, the Bible paints a picture of like, as, as we come together in marriage, there's a oneness that happens. And it's not just physically, but there's unity that happens, right? There's great things. And oftentimes people look back on their wedding day and they just, they're filled with magical, happy feelings, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's all awesome. And like, it's, it's, it's a beautiful picture of unity. Fast forward 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever years, and sometimes a man or a woman says, you know what? I know this is the promise, I know this is, but I'm going to choose to come out here because I think I'd rather be with whoever's behind door number two. And when that happens, what are the consequences? Separation, hurt, destruction, families get ripped apart, things that used to be people that used to be one or not, right? Ripped apart, tremendous damage gets done. Why? Because we refused to live under biblical authority. Same happens all the time, even with just the law of the land, just practically. Let's say uh, I'm driving down the road, I'm going 55, uh, the 55 miles an hour, the speed limit is 55 miles an hour, all is right with the world. I think, I know better. Than, these laws don't apply to me. I'm going to go 85 because I'm in a hurry. Don't, don't these people realize who I am? I mean, like, come on, we got places to go. And people see, so I go 85 miles an hour, and suddenly I see flashing lights in my rearview mirror. And what happens? If you're going more than 25 over the speed limit, potentially you can spend six months in jail. It moves from a misdemeanor to a felony, and it, it'll have a fee of up to $1,500, right? You can go to jail. There's a cost. There's pain in some ways. There's separation. There's probably some blame that happens. But it's a police officer's fault. Were you not driving 30 miles an hour? Well, I was, but they were, I mean, like, he was a jerk. And, like, I mean, like, there's all this finger-pointing blame. All this kind of stuff happens. But division comes in major ways. Pain comes in major ways. Maybe you've got a boss, and they're kind of a jerk. And they've given you some directives. And you're like, he's such a jerk. I'm not following those directives. I'm not going to do what he or she tells me to do because, come on, the guy's a total idiot. Who would... And then you get a pink slip or you get written up. or you. Get... There's pain. There's separation. There's division. You see what I'm saying? Like we see this over and over and over. When we refuse to submit to God, when we refuse to submit to his authority, we rip relationships apart. We rip marriages apart. We rip churches apart, countries apart. We do damage even to our own souls. And destruction comes in. 
Tremendous damage has been done because we refuse to submit to God's order and God's ways. Without humility, without submission, we continually embrace and live in division. It's pretty much impossible to experience unity, especially uh, in the church, but really in life in general. It's pretty much impossible to experience oneness and unity apart from aligning ourselves and living under God's authority together. Listen to this, James uh, chapter 4. says this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What's that word? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord that he will lift you up. We are to submit to God, to his authority over our lives. And I want you to hear this because submission and humility, despite what you may think or may have feelings towards, it's not weakness. In fact, it's the opposite. The Bible paints a picture that submission is actually, humility is actually a prerequisite for God filling us with his presence and his power so that we can take our stance, that we can resist the devil and he will have to flee. But a prerequisite of that is, this is God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He allows the humble, right, those that submit themselves to him, to come close to meet with him, to be filled with him, and to live in his power and strength. But So, so that's where it kind of starts, right? He says uh, he is to be the number one in our lives. We are to submit our lives to him. Our primary role is to follow and submit to God's leadership, but it doesn't stop there. This is where it gets tricky. Let's go to the next scripture, Romans 13. Listen to this. This is the one that kind of rocked my world this week. Let everyone, uh, Romans 13, sorry, verse 1, let everyone be subject to, you know what that word means? It's literally the exact same word as submit, right? Let, it's literally, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Give to everyone what you owe them. If taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, rev, revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, I want you to think about this with me for a second. This is where it starts getting sporty. Let everyone be subject to, submit to the governing authorities, for all authority has been established by God. So let's, let's back up and say, so what do you think that means? Do you think that means that presidents, <laughs> are we meddling yet? Presidents are established, but is, is that authority? That even laws, legislate, police officers, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, he says, he says, there is no authority except that which God has established on our, in, in our lives, right? When we rebel against a boss or against a teacher or against a spouse or against a president or governor or whatever, when we break the law, we are rebelling not just against that person or that government or that system. Really, the Bible is saying we are rebelling against who? God. We are not submitting ourselves to God anytime. Because, because God places authority in our world, when we submit to that authority, now are there exceptions? Like are there exceptions where they're you know, telling us to do things that are not biblical so we're not really being submitted to God? Yes. But for the most part, when we are not submitting to the authority that God's put in our lives, we're not submitting to God. You see what we're saying? Big, huge deal there. This week I was, uh, as I was studying and reflecting, I've been talking about this for a couple weeks actually, uh, about this whole idea of submission, just this whole idea that's, I, I mean, just 
what I just read in Romans 13, that, that uh, when we complain or when we rage against authority or when we refuse to submit or whatever else, even to other authorities that we're really rebelling against God. I was sharing this with Tina and just sort of processing out loud where I'm walking and, and I'm talking about this and she, she ends up saying, uh, does that include, and then she mentions an issue that I've been complaining about <laughs> with the church planning movement that we're a part of. She's like, do you think that includes that? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I mean, you know, there's this battle going on inside of me. Part of me is like, a stupid woman. <laughs> it's the woman that you gave me, God, right? Like, it's her fault. Like, what is she? No, but she nailed it, right? I mean, she, it was exactly right. She, she was dead on. That's why you got to be careful what you share with your spouse. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. But she was, it was the, like the voice of the Lord. It cut me to the heart, really. I was just like, she's exactly right. I've been complaining. It's sort of kicking against the goats. I'll talk about that maybe later, but but uh, just kind of refusing to submit. And she's like, and, and what she was pointing out is, are you kidding me? That, that is put in place by God in our role. Our, my default as a Christ follower ought to be submission. Saying, God, I'm entrusting that to you, God. I'm following you. That doesn't mean we can't question. That doesn't mean we can't have other suggestions. But do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's a, a subtle shift, but it's significantly different when we submit to God. Part of how we do that, part of how we submit to God, comes in the form of how we submit to others. First Peter, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, I was in all of them this week, and they all have almost identical passages that are going to... I'm going to talk about some of this, but the, talking about this whole idea of submission and living in unity with one another and the picture of what that looks like of submitting ourselves to God and to the other authorities in our lives. And they kind of point out three uh, different things. There's, there's more, but there's at least three that they mentioned in pretty much all of these. And I'm going to hit them real quick just to kind of lean into that and see if maybe God isn't prompting you and prompting me and saying, you know, there's an area here that you need to submit to. For the sake of the gospel and the mission, for the sake of your own soul, even for the sake of the glory of God and, and, and unity in the body, we are called to submit to these, these three things. First one is government, like government slash leaders. And that's what we just read in Romans 13. Let everybody be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. Let me jump to the end of that. It says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe them taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect... If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, but you don't know how bad our government is. You don't know how bad our president is. Can I just say, really? Can I, can I just remind us that this is written in an era where, first of all, they had virtually no say whatsoever about any governing authorities in their lives. Like, they had no say. And those governing authorities, most of the time, this is written in the church, most of the time were persecuting Killing, torturing believers. And yet God, right, through, uh, through Paul, God is writing here and saying, okay, here's how you are to live. You are to live in such a way that you are submitted to the governing authorities, that you are giving them what you owe them, whether it's taxes. Here's the ones that are kickers for me. Respect, honor. Can we just back up for a second and say, man, I wonder... If God isn't speaking to us as Christ followers in our country right now. And just saying, man, the way forward is for you and I to embrace this Romans 13 sort of passage. 
You don't have to be best friends with politicians or people that you vote for. You don't have to fully trust them. You don't have to like them, right? There's all kinds of people. I'm sure that they, the uh, New Testament church wouldn't have voted for Nero. Like, eh, you know, like that's not going to happen. Like, not at all. And yet, for the sake of the mission, for the sake of our God, for the sake of our own souls, we are called to give them respect and honor. How different would that be if the church of Jesus Christ in America embraced that and lived that out? If we were careful about what's coming out of our mouths on this issue, if we were careful about what we're putting on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, if are, are we honoring proper authority in our lives? If we're not, then you know what we're doing? We're saying... I know better than you, God, on that. You know what that breeds? breeds division and separation and destruction. We need to be real careful. Now, can we, can we have legitimate issues? Of course. But that's different than name-calling and everything else that's out there. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself and all of us on this one, right? But I'm like, man, there's something different about having a submitted spirit saying, God, of course, I'm going to vote, right? I'm, I hope you vote too, right? We should do that. But, but to come and say, you know, no matter who wins, no matter who loses, there's a part of which we're going to say, God, I trust you, and I'm submitted to you, and I'm going to follow your lead on this. You see what I'm saying? It feels very different than what I think so often we experience. Okay, I should keep going. Number two is your boss slash your workplace. <laughs> this is this one's interesting. Almost all of these passages, passages in, in all us are they, they talk about slaves or house servants, and I, I understand for for pretty much all of us, we get pictures of 18th and 19th century slavery in America, and it's horrible, and it's wrong, and it's bad. I'll just say that's not a fair comparison. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get into it and make a case for it. I'm just going to say, for our purposes today, when you read when you read things like slaves. I want you to read and think employees. And when you read masters, I want you to think and read bosses, right? Because that's the context that they're talking about. And I have to say, that makes it a little bit more uncomfortable. We can talk about slavery, it's sort of like out there. Uh, but when you start talking about like, how do I treat my boss? And how do I, how do I, you know, at work, how do I live? And is that honoring to God? Is that submitted to God's authority? Listen to this. Colossians 3.22 says, Slaves, again, employees, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong. For there is no favoritism. Now just step back. Let me just summarize. He says, obey slash follow the directives of your boss. When, when they're before you and when they can see you and when they'll get little, you'll get a little gold star next to your name, but also when they don't see you. Would you work in a way, would you follow their orders in such a way that you are honoring of them and of that authority? Serve for their good, not just to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart, out of reverence for the Lord, it says. Work with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, because you are, is what it's saying. Right? Because you are working for the Lord. And as a result of working for the Lord and, and, and aligning ourselves correctly under God's authority, it says, you will be rewarded, this passage says, by how you serve those in authority over you. 
Isn't that crazy? I wonder how we're doing on this one. <laughs> I noticed there's a couple people that were like, don't make eye contact. <laughs> like it's, I did not want to have... Maybe God's nudging you and saying, you know, this is a big deal. Authority is a big deal to God. And I wonder if God's saying, you know, it's time to take yourself out from here and submit yourself to the Lord in this deal. Third one, marriage and family. Uh, okay, I'll just read it and then I'll get to the obvious. Ephesians 5, 21, again, has been talking about unity and, and, and stuff in the body. And this says this. It says, submit to one another out of reference for Christ. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, the church, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then if you go to 6.1, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I know how this works, right? This is... This is the, the, the hesitation every time I teach on this kind of thing, and it's not often, but, but, but every time you, you hit verses like this, the only verse that women hear typically is you read, like you read, submit to your husband as you do to Christ. And, and I, I can see, like there's flags going up for all kinds of people. I am not going to be his doormat. Like, come on, this is, this is not fair. Why do I have to? You know, and, and I understand that because, because we live in a sin-stained world, and that's reality in so many situations. But let me be clear. If, if that's what you're hearing, and let me be clear to men, if I can. If that's what you're reading when you talk about, when, when it says submit to your husbands, if you think, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there, then you should keep reading. Right? Because the passage goes on to say, husbands, you should love your wives like Christ loved the church and died for her. Do you think that's a form of submission? You betcha. Right? I mean, that is, that is laying out your life for her. This is not a hierarchy. This is not a, I'm better or I can treat you like crap. If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. Submission is not like that, right? Submission is, is appropriate or submitting myself to the Lord. I'll tell you what. Uh, it goes on to talk about, of course, uh, you know, wives, uh, submit to your husbands. Husbands, Love your wives and Christ love the church and die for. In 6.1 says, children, submit to, right, your, your parents. It's a picture of how Christ-honoring family works, a picture of unity in the family. That's what it's a picture of. And it's talking about that. It's a unified picture of a family that honors God. It's not about putting people down or saying that somebody's less than somebody else. Not at all. Something that's fascinating this week, the Greek word that gets used in all these passages for submit is actually uh, taken from a Greek word uh, that is, it, it's talking about this, it's a military term. It's talking about this whole idea of a general who has a different perspective, different knowledge, uh, the view from 20,000 feet that's ordering troops onto a battlefield to, to, to accomplish a, an objective that is bigger than just what is before them. See what I'm saying? It's a, it's a picture. Submit. Submission, in, 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 our, in our instance here, is submitting to God, knowing that He is working for His glory and for your good. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of us trusting ourselves to God who is working off a different blueprint that's to advance His kingdom and His mission and everything else. And man, I think, so, in, in fact, uh, First Peter, I love uh, Kind of, kind of hints at this. First Peter 3, 3, 1 through 2 talks about this again. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. But listen to this. So that, 
It says, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their lives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Can I stop and ask, and I'm not, this isn't just for women, but for women and for men both, would you say that the quality of which you live your lives submitted to God, is that, do you live your life in such a way that, that your submission shows people around you Jesus? Because that's what it's talking about. It's saying, Live your life in such a way that you are submitted to the Lord and submitted to proper authority in the home, in the world, and at work. Are you living your life in such a way that when people see the way you submit to God and authority, they see Jesus. Their, their jaws are on the ground going, I have never seen that before. Can I, can I just be honest and say, my, my hunch is probably not. Authority and living in submission is not typically a high point for American Christians, and yet it is to what it's what leads to unity. It's what leads to the world. It's, it's what Jesus said last week, right? John 17, right? Live as one, live in unity with one another, so the world may know that the Savior has come, right? And that I that I am loved as they are loved as, as I am loved. It's a picture that the world, you know, God is oftentimes working off a different blueprint. And sometimes, I think so much of our family relationships and the work relationships and all this kind of stuff, it, we order because it's all focused on me and my advancement and me getting what I want and right, me, me, me. And God says, man, you are my followers, right? As my followers, can, can you submit yourself to me? Whoa. Hello? Can you submit yourself to me and live for something else? Instead of living for self, what if you were to live as we're meant to live? For the glory of God. For the mission of God. For the good of others. Suddenly something beautiful comes out of it. People find Jesus. Instead of breeding division, it breeds unity. Right? As, we, as we humble ourselves and stoop down, as we serve and submit ourselves to Christ and say, you know, I want... I want your will. I want your way. I'm following you, God, no matter. Even Jesus, even Jesus learned submission, didn't he? Several places throughout Scripture, right? We talked about one last week or a couple weeks ago, right? When he says, uh, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, man, if there's a plan B, God, if there's a plan B rather than going to the cross, if there's something less painful, I, I kind of like to vote for that option. Yet not as I will. But as you will, that's, that's submission to the Father right there. Even Jesus had to submit himself. In 1 Peter 2, we're told that he, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I mean, even though he was treated unfairly, even though they were slandering him and accusing him and treating him horribly, it was public, it was, it was false. He didn't go on social media. He entrusted himself. To God. And through his suffering, through his death, through his resurrection, it didn't end in division. It ended in the biggest reconciliation in human history, right? Where Christ died, he gave his life. So anyone who would put their faith and trust in him could be brought back into God's family. They could be one. There could be restoration and unity of all those who claim it, Christ as their Savior. That they can live their lives for something better, something different. 
They can live with God and in His in right, and have God dwell in them forever. Right? Today and tomorrow to empower them and fill them and remind them of Jesus and the life that He has for us on, on all the way through the trip. It's the life that we are made for. Unity by living out that relationship with God, by submitting our life and our plans to His plans and purposes, including being subject to rulers and authorities over us. Listen, is this just sort of a summary um, uh, passage, if you will? Go to the Titus one if you can. Yeah, this is a great reminder. Says this: Remind the people to be subject to you, submit themselves to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. At one time, you too were foolish and disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and, ple and pleasures. It's a humility piece, right? He's saying, don't you, you can't put yourself up here. Don't you remember? You're in the same boat. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his own mercy and grace. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Well, friends, I don't know uh, where you're at with God today. I'm not sure how he might be speaking to you or nudging you, how his spirit might be saying, saying you know, Here's some ways that you need to work. Here's some ways that you need to submit to me. Maybe you are here and you're pretty new to all this God stuff and this Jesus stuff. And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about with some of this. And that's totally fine. It's a great place for you to be. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're checking stuff out. But maybe today the Lord is just calling you home. Maybe this morning he is just calling to you and saying, you know what? I want you to know that because of Christ, I have opened up a way for you just to come home into my family and to be one. His arms are wide open, and He is calling to you. If you've never opened up your heart and put your faith and trust in Christ, if you've never cried out, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and save and forgive me? Would you come and be my God? And with your help, I want to follow. I want to follow you. I want to be yours. I want to be all in you, in me, and I, in you. God, come and have your way. If you've never done that before, friends, can I just encourage you, do it today. Best moment of your life is when, is that moment when you open up your heart and life to Christ. He will come in and He will. He promises, right? If we put our faith and trust in Him, He will bring us back home. He will forgive us. He will make us new. He will send His Spirit to live inside of us, to fill us and empower us for an extraordinary life that He has for us. You don't want to miss it. Maybe there's some of us that are here and we're like, you know what, if I'm honest, um, my words and my actions would, would testify against me that I've been living out here. I am not submitted to God. Maybe it's a stubbornness towards God or some area of your life that you're like, God, no, you can't. This is mine, right? This is my money. This is my pleasure. This is my habit. This is my whatever, right? I mean, maybe there's some area, and, and if that's you, man, can I just remind you anything, anytime we get out from underneath God's authority and submission, it breeds pain division and death and destruction. Today is the day to turn back to God, 
to bow down in humility, right? Just bow our knee before and say, God, would you forgive me? I lay it down. I submit myself to you. Come and have your will and your way. Maybe there's one of these three specific areas. Maybe it's maybe it's the governmental thing that you're like, man, my I need to take my remove myself from social media for a season. Maybe it's maybe it's I need to be real careful that my words are honoring to those in authority over me. Maybe it's maybe there's something you know in the political scene. You're like, you know what? The Bible calls us to pray for our leaders rather than complain about our leaders. Maybe for the season you need to say, you know what, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pray for this election. I'm going to pray for our president. You don't have to like him. Right? But I'm going to pray for him. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for our senators. I'm going to pray for our governor. You might not like him. I don't care. Right? That's, that, that, that's not part of the gig. That's not what God says. He says we're called to pray for. Maybe for this season, maybe God's calling you to pray for the next month or less than a month, whatever, between now and the election, rather than slander or gossip or whatever. Maybe it's at work. Right? Maybe there's something, and if you're honest, you have not been in living in right relationship. You have not been submitted to God in this whole area of work. And maybe maybe it's you've done damage. Maybe you need to go in and actually apologize to your boss. Gold. Right? Maybe, but that, that might be a thing. Maybe God's going to prompt you to say, you know what? Would you forgive me? I have not been acting in a way that's honoring to you or to my God. I'm sorry. And I'm going to try to do better. I mean, Maybe there's just maybe you don't need to say it, but maybe there's some ways that you need to align yourself because you're like, yeah, I've been kind of out here. But you need to say, you know what, I'm gonna just rest in that. And I'm gonna trust my future and my job and my happiness and everything. I'm gonna entrust that to the Lord and try and live in right relationship here on earth. Maybe there's something in family, family marriage or or a parent or child or whatever relationship that's just not right. And maybe the Lord is nudging you today by his spirit just saying, that you need to do to get in right relationship, to, to get in right order, to get back under God's authority. I don't know what it is, friends, but here's the truth. The truth is when we refuse to submit, right, without humility, without submission, it brings division. And yet the opposite is also true. When we humble ourselves, right, we humble ourselves before the Lord. When we live in right relationship and under proper authority with one another, you know what happens? The Bible says there's reward. The, the Bible says we become ministers of reconciliation and restoration, helping the world to find Christ and oneness in Him. Right? We are built up. It's good for our souls. And we just get to, to walk in and experience the smile of God and the flow of His Spirit. That's the good stuff. That's what I want for us. Enough with the division. The division can happen out there, but not in here. We are church of Jesus Christ. Everything that's important, we have in common. We have one Savior and one Spirit and one Father, right? We have, we have one mission that we have been given. God's working on, on a different level sometimes. He's working to advance His kingdom and His mission to, to help people, the people of this world find Jesus. Everything we have in common. We are a part of the body of Christ. Our salvation comes from the same place. We have everything that matters. Important life is found in Him and in Him alone. It is time for us. It's time for you and me to respond with humility and with submission, opening up our hearts and our lives to Christ. Let's, let's close in prayer. God, that's our cry this morning. 
would you forgive us for all the ways that we have neglected and run away from your authority that we've refused to submit in our homes, in our workplaces, uh, in even in our world, in ways that we've decided that we know better than you. Would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us? And Lord, uh, I pray that as a people that we would become and embrace our identity um, as humble servants, as, as men and women that are submitted to you, that are dearly loved children, to follow and live in your family, in our, the family of God, that we're submitted to, to your culture and your kingdom and your plans and your character. Would you work in a way that, that makes us one, not just us, but us with every other believer? Uh, would you breathe, breathe unity into your church in this era? We pray, God, that, that as we bow our knee to you, as we entrust ourselves into your care, as we pray, God, we submit to you. I do pray that the world would see, the world would know that we have an amazing Savior, an amazing God, an amazing King. May you be seen in us and through us. May you work for your glory and for our good. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in us, God, as it is done. Pray in Jesus' name.